there's a war going on. There's a and, and you and I may not be aware of it, but the enemy is certainly aware of it. He's certainly aware that there's a war, and he's... I don't know that he, you could say that he's enjoying it, but he's certainly involved in it with everything that he's got and everything that's in him. So what Jesus is saying here <clears throat> in Genesis is there's going to be war. There's going to be war. And we need to recognize that. It's helpful for us to recognize. Jesus may be the Prince of Peace, but he brings peace in the war zone. Because our earth is a war zone. Secondly, <clears throat> we need to understand this too. In this war, there will be casualties. Again, we don't like to think of it that way, do we? <clears throat> we don't like to think of the idea of there being casualties. Uh, <clears throat> it shall bruise thy head. And um, <clears throat> hang on, we've got our verses back to front here. Uh, that should be, it shall bruise thy heel. Right? Uh, what, what, what God is saying there is he's saying, listen, there's going to be casualties in this war. Uh, <clears throat> and we're going to be part of the casualties in this war. He's going to bruise our heel. We're going to find that Satan does us damage uh, in this war. He's going to win some battles. There is no war uh, without pain and suffering. And there, there, it just doesn't happen. You know, again, you know, when we were kids, we used to read the comics. And in the comics, it was great because the hero in the comics, he could go in with his gun and he killed everybody in front of him and um, he won the battle and he came back. You realize that was propaganda? That's never what happens in a war. What happens in a war is there are, there's blood spilt on both sides. There are people that get hurt on both sides. And we've got to understand that, you know, that we're not going to have a free, easy ride through this thing. We're in a war zone. We're in a battle. Um, we're in a place where there are going to be uh, some days you're going to lose. You're going to have some hard days in your life. You're going to have some days when the enemy goes after you and for some reason or other you give in in a certain area and you know what? You're going to get hurt. Uh, you're going to get hurt. That, that's the way a war goes. We need to understand that. Um, <clears throat> we need to understand that, you know, people are going to get hurt in this battle. We're going to weep sometimes. Because there's a war going on. And we're involved in that war. If, if you read anything about war, it's a horrible thing. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think war would be great. You ain't go to fight, you could be a hero and all the rest of it. But, but if you read about war, it's horrible from beginning to finish. You know, people die in the war and people get destroyed in the war as well. Now, the war that we're in is a different kind of a war. Right? Two things we've got to know. First of all, our Savior has won the war. Right? The war has been won. The battles uh, that, that rage around us, ultimately we know what's going to happen, uh, that the, the, our Savior has won the war. He has uh, defeated the enemy, and the enemy, though he doesn't know it, either doesn't know it or doesn't accept it yet, uh, he is a defeated foe. The second thing we need to know is this. We have been given armor. We have been given armor to wear to the war. Now, when God gives us armor, the armor is foolproof. It's not like there's some way for the enemy to get around the armor. No, the armor completely covers us. The problem for us is we don't always wear it, do we? The problem for us is that we get weary fighting. And we, we leave off the armor. And it gets hot and it gets sticky in the armor, so, so we leave it off and we don't wear the armor. Now, the first part of the armor, we're not going to go into all the armor. Now, the first part of the armor that God has given you this is... Your strength is in the Lord. 
right? <clears throat> be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might in Ephesians chapter 6. Right? We don't understand my strength is in him. I am only as strong as I am close to him. That's basically what he says to me. You see, I'm no match for Satan. I'm no match for the enemy. I'm no match. I can't win these battles. But you know, the, the reality is that as long as I'm with my Savior, he is always winning over the enemy. Always. I will never uh, get damaged and hurt as long as I'm with him. But when I move away from him, when I go to the place where I leave him to one side and I, and I move away from him, you know what? Then it's so easy for me to get hurt. It's so easy for me to get torn down and get destroyed. It's so easy for me to get discouraged. It's so me easy for me to get defeated. It's so easy for me to come to the place where, you know what, um, <clears throat> I'm not doing well in this battle. And, and, and that's what happens. You know, <clears throat> when you get hurt in the battle, sometimes you ask the question, where was God? But you know the reality? God was exactly where he was supposed to be. The real question is, where were you? Why were you not near the Savior? Why were you not walking close to him? Now, I understand, listen, we're flesh and blood, and the reality is we don't always <clears throat> stay as close as we should do. But, but, but if we, we need to understand this, that staying close to God is not my duty. Staying close to God is not the command that's given to me. Staying close to God is my protection and my care and my blessing and my peace. Isn't it wonderful that, that, that when we talk about the blessings of Christianity, they're all found in Christ. They're not found in me. They're not given to me for me to take and use as I like. All my blessings in, are found in Christ. Everything that I, that I want and everything that I need is, I need to be with him. I need to be in him. You know, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. He said, abide in me. You know, Paul told us that, that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We're constantly told that in me is nothing, but in him is everything. And yet, it's so easy for us to get to the place where we draw back, and uh, <clears throat> we're away from him, and the enemy takes and uses it to tear us down and destroy us. I think we could safely say this, that every time you and I sin, the real reason is because we're not walking close to God. The real reason, every time the enemy gets a grip of us and gets us to do something that we shouldn't be doing is because we're not walking close with God. Every time he gets the victory over us is because we're not walking close with God. Now, do you know what that means? That means that I can't afford any day for the rest of my life to live apart from God. You say, <clears throat> okay, every day. Well, it's more than every day, in fact. I can't afford any hour for the rest of my life to live apart from God. Well, you know, it's even more than every hour. I can't afford any moment to be away from my God. You see, there's a war going on. And the battle is going to be won by my Lord. The war, war has been won by my Lord. But you know what? The enemy is out there, and he is in a rage, and he is furious, and he is seeking to do all the damage he can possibly do, and he will do it to me if he can just get me away from my Lord. And he's going to try to drive a wedge in between me and my Lord. You see, isn't that what he did with Adam and Eve? Nice little tidy deception to drive a wedge in between them and their Lord. And all the, all the, the problems that we know in our world today have sprung from that. Isn't that what he wants to do with you? I heard Dr. Flanders say recently, uh, he said this. He said that when Satan gets you away from God, he always tries to get you to do something 
but makes it impossible for God to use you in the future. Now, isn't that true? Satan tries to get you away from God. He tries to get you in a place where you're doing wrong. And then he tries to get you in the place where, you know what? Uh, Because of what you've done, there's no way back for you. Now, let me understand something here. It's never that there's no way back to God. There always is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know what the truth is? The truth is sometimes when we do something, there's no way back to that place of service. And I don't want that for my life, and you don't want that for your life. And Paul was afraid of that for his life. He said, let's start become a castaway. <clears throat> Listen, we're in a war. There's really one thing that matters to me this week. Am I walking close to my Savior? Am I under his arm? Am I tucked in real close to him? Because I can't protect myself in this war. But there's going to be battles this week, and you know what? If I'm close to him, I'll be okay. And if I'm not, I'm sunk. I'm finished. I can't afford to get away from him for a moment. Let me say this to you young people. You know, <clears throat> what the enemy wants to do with a young person is in those days when you're, you know, you're feeling free and easy in your head and in your heart and you want to just enjoy life and do your own thing, he likes to get you in the place uh, where he can create damage in your life that's going to have a prolonged effect in your life. He likes to get you involved in drugs. He likes to get you involved in immorality. He likes to get you involved in some area that's going to actually have a prolonged effect, a damaging effect in your life. He's a master strategist. He's the loser of the battle only because he went up against a foe he could never win against. But if he hadn't found a foe that was his master like that, he'd win every battle. He'd win every war. Because he's a master strategist. He's constantly at work uh, to get you a young person. In those years... You know, when, when really you're looking at your life and you're thinking, it's my life, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to live my own way. He wants to take those years and he wants to destroy you so that God can't do with you all that he would want you to do. See, we're in a war. We're in a battle. You know, God sent a Savior because we're in a battle and we need a Savior. Um, but there's another meaning to this too. You see, when it talks about uh, Satan bruising uh, his heel, it's talking about Jesus. You see, Satan was going to bruise the seed of the woman, and ultimately the seed of the woman is Jesus. He's the one that was coming. It's, it's, it's looking forward to Christmas and looking forward to Calvary. And you know, <clears throat> Satan was going to bruise his heel. Now the thing about a, heel, uh, uh, a, a wounded heel is, is this, that, <clears throat> that you know, a wounded heel really a bother. It's a pain. You've got a pain in your foot, it's a, it's a pain. But a crushed head is a killer. But Satan was going to wound his heel. And you know, Satan was going to win or look like he won a battle and feel like he won the war when he put Jesus on the cross. He was going to rejoice in that day. He was going to say, see, I did it. I killed God. It looked really good on that day. It looked like he had finally drained the lifeblood out of God's second Adam, God's plan to change it all, God's plan to turn it all around. And he was going to bruise his heel. Let me read you what Spurgeon says. He's, he's, <clears throat> uh, his words are really helpful here. He says, Look at your master and your king upon the cross, all disdained with blood and dust, 
There was his heel most cruelly bruised. There they take down that precious body and wrap it in fair white linen and in spices and lay it in Joseph's tomb. They weep as they handle the casket in which the deity had dwelt. For there again Satan had bruised his heel. The devil had let loose Herod and Pilate and Caiaphas and the Jews and the Romans. That is all. However, it is only his heel and not his head that is bruised. bruised. For lo, the champion rises again. And when Jesus stepped out of that tomb three days later, you know what? I think that was the most despairing day that any creature in God's world could ever have. I think as Satan looked at that situation and realized he could not contain him, he could not keep him dead, he could not keep him in that tomb, I think he realized it's over. Now I think he's deceived enough to think in this day and age that he can somehow win, but I think in that day even he knew it was over. I couldn't even keep him dead. I couldn't keep him in that tomb. You see, he bruised his heel. But you know what? He didn't get to kill him. And we need to understand that. You know, in this battle, you're going to get hurt sometimes. You're going to not walk with the Lord. You're going to end up in a place where you get hurt, where, you know, something happens. You're you're, You're going to find other people around you getting hurt. And sometimes that's harder for us. To watch other people getting hurt, to watch other people who don't stay close enough to the Lord and the enemy swings in and he, and he does something dreadful in their lives and tears them down. You're going to see hard things happen. You're going to see uh, the enemy do some uh, things that, that, that will, can really cause you to get discouraged. First thing is, understand, we're in a war. There are going to be battles raging all the time and there are going to be casualties. That's the reality. But understand this. That he can bruise their heels, but he can't crush their heads. He's the one that got the crushed head because of the Savior. He's the one that was destroyed because of the Savior. You see, even those people around you that, that falter and, and fall and they, <clears throat> and, and they get it wrong and they mess up and the enemy goes in and gets them, as long as they're believers, they're going to hell. As long as they're believers, you know what? They win in the end. And we've got to understand that. <clears throat> Third thing is, victory is sure. Victory is sure for us. Um, the enemy is a defeated foe. Uh, head wounds kill, but, <clears throat> uh, but heel wounds just hold you back. Victory is sure. We, we are the winners. We are on the winning side. One day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be revealed from heaven, and we're going to be at his side, and we're going to be riding in a victorious army that demonstrates its power. It doesn't matter how it looks in this day and age. It doesn't matter how it looks to people around us. It doesn't matter how you look to them. The reality is one day we are going to ride in a victorious army uh, because our Savior won the day. He defeated the foe. He won the battle. The, the, The war is won. Ultimately, all of it will come home and he will show, listen, that he took not only the day, but he took the war. The big question in that day is going to be, which side are you on? Where do you stand in that? Now, if you're a born-again believer this morning, the reality is that you stand on his side. But you might not act and live that way. You might live differently. If you're on his side, you need to get away from all the clutches of the enemy and you need to live for him. You need to draw close to him. You need to put on your armor. You need to get things right with him first. Then you need to put on your armor. And you need to go into the battle on his side. You can't be on both sides in this battle. You can't love God and mammon. You need to be in the right place. You, you need to understand, you know, listen, my Savior is victorious and I'm for him. What areas of your life 
are you giving in to the enemy on? What areas in your life are you letting him have his way in? There's no neutral ground. It's not like, you know, well, it's just something I do that's totally on, on to me. No, no, no. Either you're, either you're serving your Savior and you're loving him and you're living for him, or what you're doing is you're serving the enemy. You know, <clears throat> we're involved in a war. Victory is sure. There's a day coming when we're going to stand before him, and <clears throat> all that counts is what side are we on? You know, <clears throat> the way to live our lives is live them fully on for him. Don't live in this halfway place. You know, where, yeah, you know you're a believer, yeah, you know you're going to heaven, and yes, ultimately you know you're his, but all the world, and all the things of the world, and all the draw of the world, don't live in that place. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know what happens when you're unstable? You fall over. You know what happens when you're unstable? You're easy pickings for the enemy. Don't be double-minded. Live all on for him. I don't live in that uh, other place. Secondly, or thirdly, um, are you really on his side? You say, well, yeah, I think Jesus is a good guy. And I think, yeah, you know, I think you should go to church. I think you should do right, and I think you should live the right way. Okay, you're in church on a Sunday morning. I presume that's what you're thinking. I presume that's what's in your... But are you born again? See, remember, you were born into Satan's kingdom. All of us were. Jesus wants to transport you into his kingdom. He wants to bring you into his kingdom. He wants you to come to the place where you renounce Satan's kingdom and you become one of his. He wants to bring you to a place where you turn your back on all that. How do you do that? It's by trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. You see, the victory was won on the cross. Jesus' heel was bruised, but Satan's head was crushed on the cross. And he says, listen, I want you to believe in what I did for you. You're a sinner. You couldn't save yourself, but I, I did it for you. Have you done that? Have you come to that place where you've believed that? One of the songs that we sing around Christmas time uh, is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And <clears throat> let me give you some of the words of that. Read you some of the words of that. Because they're powerful words. By the way, the songs that we sing are not just, we don't sing them because they're old songs. We sing them because they've got terrific words. Uh, John Wesley wrote this song. Um, <clears throat> Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Do you know that's what happened? That's what actually happened, that God sent his son. You see, <clears throat> when God wanted to save us, he didn't send a committee. He didn't even send an army. You know what he did? He sent us a love note wrapped in swaddling clothes. He sent us his son. He sent us his son to be our savior. He sent us his son to conquer the enemy of our souls and to make a pathway back to God for us. That's what Christmas is all about. It's all about a savior that was born to conquer the enemy and to bring us back to God. Where are you today? Are you saved? Are you his? Are you born again? Are you maybe in the place where in your life, you know, <clears throat> yeah, you subscribe to Christianity and uh, you think it's the best thing and you've even trusted Christ as your savior, but you know what? You're not living it. You're saying, well, you know what? You, 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 you can't be too fanatical about this thing. 
If you get too fanatical about it, you know what? Uh, it'll just drive you mad. That's a dangerous place to be. You know, if you're not saved this morning, Satan's not particularly worried about you. He's concerned about you getting saved, but you know what? He's not particularly worried about you. And, and if you get saved, you become God's and you walk close with God, there's not much he can do to you. But if you're saved and you're in the middle ground, in that place where, you know, <clears throat> you're not sure what to do and you're not sure how to move forward and you're not sure you want all of it, do you know what? You're a sitting target for the enemy. You are right in the place where it e it's easy for him to pick you off. Folks, we're at war. We have been since that day in the garden. The question for you is, where are you in the battle? Where are you in this battle? Are you part of Satan's kingdom? Isn't that a hard one to bite the bullet on? But you know, nobody ever got saved who didn't really bite the bullet on the fact that they weren't, didn't belong to God. That we're sinners and we don't belong to God. Are you f going full out for God to serve God with all your heart? Or are you in the middle ground? Yeah, you're saved, but you know what? You're really not doing what you should. You're really not living the way you should. You're in danger. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, and Lord, uh, <clears throat> we're looking at a great text of scripture, and Lord, we, we hear you, and we see you in it, and we thank you, Lord, that we're on the victory side, but Lord, there are decisions that need to be made in hearts today. Now, blessed Spirit of the Lord, would you move in this room and draw our hearts close to you, Lord? Would you move amongst this people and bring us to a place where we decide clearly? Lord, I would ask you, would, would you do a work... With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you a couple of questions here, right? <clears throat> and these are serious questions for you. Let me ask you the first question. Would you say, Pastor, I am not perfect, and I know I'm not perfect. But you know, Pastor, my goal, my aim, my desire, my plan is to walk as close to God as I possibly can. Uh, <clears throat> would you lift your hand if that's really your heart this morning? Amen. 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 See those hands. Amen. Amen. Are there others? Now, let me talk to you that didn't, didn't raise a hand this morning. There's, there's two other things you could be this morning. Right? You could be in the place where you're saying, well, I'm not sure I'm saved. And you could get that fixed today. That one could be fixed today by you coming to Christ. Or you might be saying, you know... I know what you're saying, but I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to that. You know what the problem with that is? The problem is that the enemy knows that. And he wants to do as much damage in your life as he possibly can. He knows that you're not walking with God, that you're not abiding with Christ. And he wants to use the opportunity to do as much damage as he can. And the only way for you to fix it is for you to get off the fence and to go to the place where you're fully giving yourself to God. Let me ask you, are there any, is there anybody that would say, today I'm making that decision? I'm not sure I can do it. That's okay, because he's able where you're not able. Your decision is what's important. Would you say this morning, listen, 
I'm making that decision today. I want to go full out for God from this day forth. I want my heart to be given fully to him. I want to walk with him. I want to live for him. I want to know his presence and his power. Would you lift your hand? Amen. See those hands? These were important decisions. Are there others? Are there others who would say, today I am making that decision? Amen. One last question, then. You're here this morning, and you'd like someone to take the Bible and show you how you can be saved, how you can be born again. You don't understand, but you'd like someone to show you from the Word how you can understand. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody at all? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the blessing and the good things that you pour out upon us. And, Lord, thank you for the armor that you give us for the battle. And, Lord, for the fact that we know uh, we serve a risen Savior, Lord, who has defeated the foe. Lord, help us, each one, to walk close to you. Lord, for those that raised a hand and said that was their heart and that was their, uh, their plan. Lord, <clears throat> we know the enemy doesn't like it. We know he'll fight against them. But, Lord, would you bless each one, Lord? Give them wisdom. Uh, help them to see his devices. And, Lord, help them to walk with you. And, Lord, for those that made a decision today, Lord, that that's what they were going to do. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in each of those hearts, Lord, and strengthen each one? Help them, Lord, uh, to know your presence and your power in such a way that the voice of the enemy is drowned and they see you and they know you. And, Lord, for that group that's in the middle that are not sure which way to go, oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, uh, would you be merciful and protect them anyway and bring them into that place where they surrender all? Lord, we ask you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.